We're closing out our series, Blink, How Will You Measure Your Life? And just a quick recap, because we've spent three weeks, this is our fourth week on it, that there's this natural phenomenon you experience, and uh, it's just that as the older you grow, the faster life seems to go, that you begin to experience life differently, and your perception of time is that it just goes much, much quicker. And it's actually, this is universal, this is something that the ancient days, we have recorded of them experiencing as well. This isn't just an American thing, all cultures experience it, that the older you grow, the, la- the faster life seems to go. And, and, and you know this, I mean, we all know this, you, you remember those summer days that lasted forever. And it's like, oh man, summer used just to be, extend forever. And then all of a sudden you look up and you blink and you're like, wait, I was excited for summer and now it's gone? What happened? Or, or you, you know, uh, those car rides as a kid. Remember those car rides that lasted and seemed to be forever and you say, are we there Really? Are we there? Yeah, you guys, are you going to be with me tonight? I'm already tired. This is my fourth time doing this today. I need you, okay? Okay? Okay. That still wasn't really reassuring. All right. Now we're ready. But, but here's the deal. Here's the interesting thing, because this is true, that the, that the older you get, you perceive time differently, and the faster life seems to go, and it is amazing that it seems like you blink, and major parts of your life just pass you by, and you just wake up, and, and if you're not careful, you'll wake up and realize you landed somewhere where you never intended to land, and you became someone you never intended to become, because you didn't ask this one fundamental question. How will you measure your life? Because how you measure your life shapes the decisions that direct your life. How you measure your life, how you determine what is a successful life, whether it's a life worth living, will shape the decisions that you make today that will direct the course of your life. And we all have an answer to how you measure your life. And for some, it's being successful. For some, it's having the right stuff. For others, it's approval and seeking others' approval. It's kind of comparison. Maybe you're just looking around and going, as long as I'm keeping up with so-and-so. What I find interesting on that question is we all have different answers to it. And yet it's such a big question to be asking. Shouldn't shouldn't we have a, a better answer, something that sustains? Shouldn't there be something that could give us a tool to how do you, how do you measure your life? And I, I don't know if you remember these because in, yeah, we have a, a lot of ways in our culture to measure things. We have a clock to measure time. We have, you know, a measuring bowl if you're baking to measure baking things. Um, you have, you know, if you're a man, you have a tape measure. And, uh, you know, to measure long things, it's very long. Uh, and then, you know, then even you have a level to measure how, well, level things are. But you would never use a measuring tape to measure flour, would you? You just, you would go, that's stupid. Now, some of us guys might try it out. And you're like, okay, I need X amount. But, but you realize there's specific tools with specific functions to measure. And could it be that we've used the wrong tool to measure our lives? It's not bad things. 
It's just, it's not the right thing to measure your whole life by. And we've bought into trying to get a happy life instead of pursuing a good life. It's interesting, you know, your pursuit of a happy life will cause you to miss out on a good life. And so, because life is moving so fast, you have to ask this question. How will you measure or judge your life? Well, the Bible actually has some answers to it. In fact, this chapter, 1 Corinthians, uh, in the Bible, uh, 12 through 13, the speaks on this. In fact, Paul says this, now let me show you the most excellent way. In fact, that word excellent is the word to be beyond measure. Literally, it means to tip the scales. He says, you know what? Have you tried it long enough that how you're measuring life's not really working out? Let me show you a way that will blow you away. Let me show you a way that will overflow your cup. Because a lot of times, isn't it true that, that how we measure our lives often leaves us wanting empty? And then he goes on to say this. Here is the new metric for life. The new way that you and I are called to measure your life. Here it is. Everything minus love equals nothing. Everything minus love equals nothing. Now, now we understand that, because uh, when I first said that at the first service, I saw some people kind of wrestling with like that. No, come on. Everything minus love doesn't equal nothing. Come on. I got something out of it. But, but just think about this, because I've talked to people who've had dads who are distant and disconnected and who had a lot of resource, and they would tell me uh, they would give them all types of gifts and all these sort of things, but the one thing that they wanted was their dad's love. It's like, you know what? It doesn't matter how many gifts he sent. It doesn't matter how many of these sort of things. Because everything minus love equals nothing. In fact, it's a radically new way to begin to process life, isn't it? Because let, let me just ask you this question. I think this is a great question. Is what's the one word you want someone to use to describe you? What is it? I mean, just honestly, what's the one word you want someone to use to describe you? Maybe it's loyal. Maybe it's successful. Maybe it's a somebody. Maybe it's, I don't know. And God would say, what about love? Because I got to tell you, as a dad, I long for my kids not to go, man, he did a lot of great things. But to define me as, man, my dad loved me. As a husband, man, my husband really worked hard and supplied for our family, but I want my wife to define, describe, he's a man who loves me. Our church, more than having a cafeteria experience and being on this journey of a church plan, my hope and dream for to be the type of pastor for us as a community is that it wouldn't be that he yells at us, which is nice too. Man, Ingram loves. See, the new metric for life that he's going to unpack for us here 
is everything minus love. It really adds up to nothing, no matter which way you go about it. In fact, listen to what he says. He says, in what I say, if you got your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 1. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, I can say all the right things. I, I, I always have just the right words to say. I just think about us for a community. Just think about that. If we just have the greatest worship singing, and I think we have amazing people who lead us in worship. If we just have the best sermons. If we have people that just are so welcoming. But if there's no love in the equation, he says it doesn't matter how good it is, it's just adding to the noise. And what I say, and then he moves on to what I know. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I have a brilliant mind, great insights, if I have vision and see what could be and should be, if I, if I know all the right answers, if we're a community that, that has the right doctrine, and I feel like that's kind of where church world's gotten. We just go, you know what, we get the right answers. And he says, right answers minus love equals nothing. Oh. Then he moves on to what I do. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to the flames, but have not love. I gain nothing. No amount of great accomplishments, no amount of significant sacrifice. It changes the world and the way you begin to approach it, doesn't it? When you step back and you go, it's not about what you say, it's not about how much you know, it's not about what you do. It has this central ingredient that is the metric for life that has to be infused into every part of life where you begin to go, if if there isn't love a part of it, if love isn't carrying me along, then at the end of the day, it is a big zero. You, you may not know this about us as a church, but right from the get-go, we long and have committed to give at least 10% of what comes in outside of our doors. Because we're asking you as those who are part of our community to say, hey, we're going to tie 10%. We want to do that as well. We want, as a church, want to be that way. And, and people have gone like, man, as a church plant, that's kind of risky. I know, but I have a God you can't outgive, by the way. That's just rule number one. We'll talk about that another time. And we look at this campus, and you kind of, it's so cool because you can look out right there, and we long to have a presence and impact, and, and we actually dropped off the teacher survival kits today in the teacher's lounge and dropped those off. Here's the problem. If love is missing from the equation, it means nothing. And we're just adding to the noise. Because yeah, nobody, nobody, when you really get down to it, Want something, someone to do something for them. And they're not present. And they don't care. It's just going through the motions, isn't it? When you think about a relationship with a, someone significant, you long for them to be present with you. You long to them to be with you just because it's you, not because they have to. So I think the question 
is if that's true, what does it look like to live out love? To be a community defined and shaped by love. Because there isn't any other way for us to go about it. By the way, this is why we're talking about this, not just for you, because I long for you to experience a great life. I long for you to measure life by the right standards, but I long for us as a community, as a church, to measure it by the right standards, not get caught up in what style music, but go, how loving are we? Are we infused and motivated and driven by the love of God in us and for us and through us? So kind of awkwardly, how do you have a great love life? I mean, really? Because that's the call. And here's the problem with love, isn't it? We use it in our culture in, in five cent and five thousand dollar ways. You know, we use it all the time. I love that team. I love that iPhone. And then we and then we go and turn and look to someone we deeply care about and go, I love my kids. Like, well, wait a second, which is it? Thankfully, Paul actually defines what love is. What does it look like for us to be a loving community, to have our lives defined by love, to begin to embrace and step forward into this new metric of everything minus love equals nothing. So how do we infuse everything with love? And here's what he says. He says, first, what love is. And he says this about love. It's simple. It's just simple. Don't complicate it. Simple doesn't mean it's easy. And simple doesn't mean it's not significant. But it's really simple. He says there's two things that love is. The first is love is patient. And the second is love is kind. Patience is this internal attitude where kindness is this external action. Patience literally means uh, long-suffering. And in fact, it's the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. Where you take on, but you don't give out. It says there's this internal response of love that says, I choose the best. In fact, in such a way, it responds and then says, love is kind. And kindness is act, outwardly choosing the best for others, no matter what it means. See, we confuse kindness and niceness, don't we? We want to be nice and go, well, it's nice, but we're not actually kind. See, niceness just tries to keep the status quo. Niceness doesn't ever address real issues. Kindness chooses what's very best. In fact, if you want a definition for love, love is giving the other person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. Not what they want, not what's easiest, but what they need the most. Let me give you an example. And I've got to be honest, as, as a week that I knew coming into we're teaching on love, can I, just, can I just have like one of those honest confession times? This has probably been one of the hardest weeks I've had in a long time to love. And, and if, I, if I can just be honest, and maybe that will help you be honest too. I, I was not loving with my family this week. 
And there's a point where my wife and I got in a fight on Thursday, and I asked if I could share this uh, with her. And we don't actually get in fights too often, more because I'm the emotional one. I go up and down. My wife's like real steady, you know. (laughs) We're kind of flipped. And we get in this intense conversation is the only way I can say it. And she said some things that were kind but not very nice. She looked at me and directly said, you know what? You've lost your teachability. Oh. And it was intense. I mean, we were like in face-to-face. We don't, it was like, oh, mama. And then I, (laughs) and I'm like, you know, my first response is, no, I hadn't. (laughs) Because I had starting to get into a pattern of, just deflecting and defending and not really soaking in others' words of correction. And I sat back and realized, man, that hurt. Some of the things she said stung deep. But I'm so thankful that I have a wife that loves me enough to say the hard things for my best, even though it's not easiest. And sat back and go, God, I, she's right. There's truth there. I, I've not been teachable. I've been real defensive, and I've just been a jerk. See, love's simple. It's not easy. Love is simply giving the other person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. And then he goes on to say what it's not. Sometimes that's more helpful than what it is. What love is not, it's not about you. It's just not. And there's this gravitational pull where somehow we are so easily to become the center of the universe. And when you begin to get it just right, you, you ignore it. There's like all of a sudden this pull and this, this subtle shift where you just start slowly to become the center of the universe. And love says, no, 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 no. It's not about you. Listen to what Paul says. He says, It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Hmm. You know, it, it is not envy. It, it, it doesn't have resentment. It's not boastful. It's not bragging. It's not trying to puff yourself up. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's, it doesn't act shameful or unbecoming. It's not self-seeking. It's not putting you first. It's putting others first. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not easily angered. You don't have that quick fuse. It's not irritable. It keeps no records of wrong. In fact, this morning as we were at Church in the Hill and I was with the, the team, uh, our worship team, uh, and we're there getting to be a part of their services, and God brought to mind a person that I had a conversation with and, and said, Ingram, you've kept a record of wrong because every time you see it, you don't tell them, but you bring it up in your mind and there's bitterness and resentment growing in your heart. I said, God, I'm sorry, you're right. Now, let me tell you how not to do this, okay? Because I've seen this. This is how you, here's how not to do it. Because here's what some, some will do. You'll feel this burden. You're like, I've kept a record of wrong, okay? 
And you go up to the person and go, hey, just want to let you know, I want to say I'm sorry because I kept a record of wrong about you. And let me tell you, this, 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 and this. Yeah, I've never told you before, but I really hate this about you, and this really annoys me, and every time you do this, it's just like, oh my gosh. And so I saw you, and I just walked the other way. I'm sorry. Love you, brother. That's, and, and what happens is the person who dumped feels better, and the person dumped on just went like, oh my gosh, what just happened? See, that's not loving. That's, that's not, not keeping a record wrong. That's unloading. Do not be unloaders here. There's times when you go and you confront and you do that, but there's a time when you go, you know what? I've forgiven and I've let go. I, it keeps no record of wrong. See, love is just not about you. And here's what love does. Love is consistent. It's just consistent. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That word always in the Greek is panta. It literally means the totality of any object, mass, or collective. It means everything. Always. It's consistent. See, here's a redefinition for us of love. Love is not devoid of feeling, meaning that it doesn't not have feeling. It just simply isn't defined by your feelings. And so oftentimes we love only when we feel like it, only when we're up for it. And God says, you know, no, no, no. Love is this moving force that says, I'm always there. Notice you have a heavenly father that has an always to his love. It is not contingent on your behavior or my behavior or having a good day or bad day. Or maybe you caught him on an off day. I remember when I was a, uh, a kid and we were having the birds and the bees conversation. Awkward. I don't know what age that is. And I have an eight-year-old daughter, so i got to figure that out, you know, because I don't remember how old I was. But I remember sitting on the bedside, and after having this conversation with my dad, I remember he expressed this always-ness to me. And he put his arm around me and said, son, here's, and he's just expressing, hey, you know, I long for you to, you know, wait until you're married to have sex and explain all the reasons why. And it was like, well, thank you, that's probably too much for a nine-year-old, but thank you very much. And then he said, but here's what I want you to know. No matter what, and stuck to, with me to this day, no matter what you do, I'll always love you. You're always my son, and nothing will ever change that. And he backed it up with how he lived. And there was an alwaysness to his love. I don't know your background. Maybe you came from some relationships that, whether it's your, we all, I think everybody has daddy issues, okay? Maybe you had an angry dad or an abusive dad or an absent dad. But you have a perfect heavenly father that there's an always-ness to his love for you. And it's not contingent on you, it's based on him. 
and who he is. And he's invited you in to that relationship. See, what's interesting is when you begin to define love that way, you go back to some of the things that Jesus said. He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. The second's like it's to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm like, really? That, 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 that kind of love? That's how I'm supposed to measure my life? That's supposed to be the new metric? That's how I, I can't do that? And then he said, you know what? Guess what? A new commandment I give you is to love one another. The way you do community and the way you radically love one another will show the entire world that you are my disciples. He says this, that I think is one of the more impossible commands. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know that person that is just out to get you. I've called you to love them. And I think that's the point where we have to get to when we finally realize that this kind of love we can't do. And that is the beginning confession. And that was my confession this week as I fell so short as a husband and a father, as a pastor of your community, is going, God, I can't. And that is the confession, friends. But you can through me. So you can't express this kind of love until you've experienced this kind of love. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, flip over to 1 John real quick with me before we close up here. And it says, 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Hmm. Everything minus love equals nothing. God's absent from the equation. Interesting. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin that we would declare from the beginning stage that we long to be this type of community. We long to measure our lives by love, but we say we can't, but you can through me. I start off every day, and you start off every day if we begin and just go, God, I long to measure my life by love, but I can't do it today. Will you do it through me? Will you do it through me and the people I'm called to love? Will you do it through me in the circumstances you called me to? Will you do it through me? I can't face this meeting the way I know you've called me to. I can't say I love you in the way that you've called me to. But I'm leaning into you, trusting that you can through me. See, a new metric for life is everything minus love equals nothing. Would we become a community of love? I wrote this down, and I uh, 
we've used it in dating and kind of relationship series, but this is what you say when you say I love you. If we can just bring the weight of the word back and move it from the five cent to the $5,000 level, I will be patient with you. I'll be kind to you. I won't be jealous over or about you. I won't make our conversations all about me. I won't be proud or rude to you. I'll look out for you. I won't let my emotions get out of control even when you hurt me. I won't hold over your head the things that you did in the past. I won't be the kind of person that is trying to push and pull you away from God, but to God. I want you to know you're always safe with me. I want you to always know I'm being honest with you. I want the very best for you. I'll be here through thick and thin. We've done a few challenges for us as a community because we don't want to be a community that just shows up and meets. We want to be a community that lives this out. And I just challenge you this. Just this, this week, begin each morning with, I can't, God. That, when I say I love you, I can't live up to that. But you can through me. Will you begin that in me today? Will you help me love today? Can I pray this ancient prayer over you and we'll close in worship? Living God, draw us deeper into your love. Jesus, our Lord, send us to care and serve. Holy Spirit, make us a herald of your good news. Stir us, strengthen us, teach and inspire us to live your love with generosity and joy imagination and courage for the sake of your world and in your name of Jesus. Amen.